Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Friday, May 27th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? Admiring your speed. I didn't even know you were in the call and you were already uh, (laughs) getting it going. Other than that, pretty well. Had a topsy-turvy workday. Uh, we had like a five-hour estimate and also help truck listed, which means if another team has a bigger job they anticipated or something comes up, uh, you need to call when you finish. You might be going to do a second job. So first job went about like as expected. I think we wrapped up around 12.30, called and got a very confident, no, you're good, go home. I had brought my bike because I was like a five-minute ride away. So I hop in. It's pretty rainy, by the way get home and as I'm walking into my door boss calls and like hey um some other another team just called me and said they won't be able to get to their second job we're gonna need you guys to I was like uh, I'm actually at home now um but he was like no the job needs three people so you're gonna go back uh so like had a really quick lunch And he'd said the job needs three people. So I was amping myself up for like three, four hours of work. Like I said, it was rainy. Get there. It's like a 25 minute bike ride away. Um, It took a little while to find the place because their team had been like wrapping stuff and nonstop instead of ferrying because there was so little stuff. You could wrap it and bring it down in one elevator trip. So I was there for about five minutes before we headed out. Got to the other location and then wrapped up like nice but the change of expectations of okay i'm going home i am home okay i'm going to work for four more hours yeah oh i'm here for another 30 minutes um it's a bit like just topsy-turvy yeah like hard to feel settled but in the end still got plenty of time to chill in the afternoon which was what was nice about getting off at 12 30 in the first place and got paid a few extra hours for really doing some biking and a little bit of moving uh, so made peace with my day there you go you got paid for the uh the anxiety and then the come down on the uh on the other side that's that's what you gotta say that's that's basically mental health benefits right there that's that's what we're gonna write that off as yeah it's 2022 after all how is your day Oh, day was good. Feels good. Um, coming off a short week, things are always jam packed. Uh, and uh, work, work kind of in a collaborative system at work. And my direct report took the afternoon off, which meant, for some reason, just naturally, I got to go back to back meetings uh, from from noon until the end of the day. So that that's always a a good time. I, I'm feeling a little Zoom fatigue, but I can never be. I can never be too down when I'm on the call with you, my friend. Always so good to see you. There we go. 180 is that Zoom fatigue. Good to be here as well as we continue our run in what seems like a very long playoff stretch. We're just getting to the halfway mark, I guess, with hockey. Uh, If you count it as the two. Yeah, we're a bit past the halfway mark of what that should be. I think both of us feeling the fatigue, but luckily getting more and more concentrated uh we hone in more and more and at some point when there's just two teams left i think the laser focus will come back for myself how your thoughts 
Yeah, uh, we are rapidly approaching the NBA Finals, which will start next week. Really, really excited for that. We're in for a treat here, um, no matter what the result of uh, the game tonight is. And then uh, a potential Game 7 or we see a Celtics-Warriors final. Um, awesome, awesome stuff. And then we already have two of our, our picks in for the conference finals in the NHL. And really awesome stuff ahead for that as well. And what a sports weekend. We are just, we are hitting on all cylinders right now. Of course, the baseball, the perennial background noise to uh, a couple of major events. We have the Champions League final tomorrow. We have the Monaco Grand Prix in Formula One. We have the French Open in full swing. Uh, So lots and lots to view for your pleasure and lots to talk about today. So without further ado, we will get into basketball storylines where the Golden State Warriors um, predictably close out the Dallas Mavericks. They had really unlocked that team at the end of game three and uh, it's hard to sweep another professional team in in sports and uh, they kind of eased off the gas similarly to how they did in game five against the Memphis Grizzlies in the second round Uh, but they they shut the door here on the Dallas Mavericks season and despite uh, a late run and some potential Luka Magic brewing. Uh, The Warriors just shared the ball incredibly well, all five starters in double figures, um, including, I believe, two players off the bench. And Clay Thompson finally had his best game of the playoffs, 34 points and eight made threes. When when he's going off and Steph is just contributing at a consistent high level, then this team raises itself back to where it was uh, three years ago. And it's a fantastic win. And we'll get to their their legacies in a second. Um, but kind of want to talk about first, what's next for the Dallas Mavericks here. And we had already started this conversation uh, after, after game three, but looking for um, a little bit more production out of your center spot. There's just not enough size there. But if you are going smaller, then maybe you're looking for a little bit more of a rim protector at, at 6'10", 6'11", than a, a Dwight Powell or a Maxi Kleba. Um, looking to upgrade that position for sure. And then always looking to add more two-way talent around Luka Doncic uh, and potentially finding ways to reduce his usage level a little bit, especially during the regular season. Um, one of the interesting quotes from Jason Kidd's post game presser was the approach that the Mavericks are hoping to take this summer because the overwhelming through line of the last two, three summers has been when will Luka Doncic have his uh, lock in summer off season where he only trains and comes back an absolute animal. We've now seen it from Embiid. We've seen it from Jokic in, in the past couple of seasons, but I think that's the next step is when Doncic really bears down and decides to take his offseason as seriously as some of these top producers in the league, uh, then he is going to elevate himself into locked in top five player and he'll be back in the conference finals in no time uh, because he is still only 23 years of age. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I think I said most of my thoughts on this team. I like bringing the help focusing your talent search on the small player, whereas in finding the role guys to fill the big position, 
for Luca this playoffs, it was a pleasure to watch him flower kind of what had been developed the two previous first round exits. And we saw that turn into something. We saw him stepping up more consistently, uh, being the big player in the big moments, not having Kawhi Leonard and Paul George guarding you just takes 50 pounds off his back, it seems. And now he's had his first taste of a three-round run. Uh, having a team outplay him, I think having the experience that uh, when you're up against a really, really good defender, someone who has your number, you can only go so far as an individual and it's on your teammates at some point. So I don't know if this is the lock-in season, but with the Mavs kind of getting into gear halfway through the regular season, having as much success as they did with that, I want to see it run again. And I'm excited to see what comes of this third round run. Transition to the other side here with the Golden State Warriors. You take a step back, big picture here. This is their sixth NBA Finals appearance in eight years. Uh, that puts them right on par there with the uh, 90s Bulls. Um, it's a remarkable achievement and a testament to the continuity, um, the excellence, and, and the ability to extend a window as well not only to do it at a high level for five years in a row like they did, but um, had a couple of injuries because of that sustained success, came back, retooled with new pieces, and, and I think they've reopened the window now for a couple more seasons beyond this. Uh, most people, I believe, would agree that this team is only going to be better next year with a fully healthy James Wiseman potentially in the fold or an asset that you get in return for Wiseman with Kaminga and Moses Moody taking another step forward in their development. And we've already floated the idea of a potential Andrew Wiggins move, but he's, he's one of the best fourth options in the league, if not the best, right, for his talent. And, and it's a shocking thing to say, but he's truly bought into the role. It's been really, really awesome to see. And this Golden State Warriors team, this franchise, uh, is, is now going to go down as one of the greatest in the history of our sport. Uh, and it, it is an incredible testament to Steph Curry's uh, performance, and, and he wins the first ever Western Conference Finals MVP trophy. He has launched himself into top 20 status, I think, in the all-time player rankings uh, and, and is set up potentially for his fourth title, which would line him up with LeBron James there. Um, and... Those are the two that are now getting compared to each other uh, in the legacy conversation because that's always to be had. I think it's very difficult to compare um, because of how different these two play and, and the different teams that they've been a part of. Uh, but there is there's a very strong argument here that Steph Curry could end up as, as a top three, if not the greatest point guard of all time when everything is said and done. Uh, and at the very least, he has revolutionized the game with his ability to shoot the basketball and even more so underratedly move without the basketball in in a era where it has become a lot of mismatch hunting, heavy pick and roll, uh, a lot of people standing and shooting threes from set spots on the court. Uh, this Warriors movement-centric offense has, has really shaken things up and maybe 
will provide a blueprint for teams to reconsider because uh, following the excellence of a Kawhi Leonard, a Giannis, a Anthony Davis um, in, in previous playoff series, teams were leaning towards size now as a, as an effective weapon, but this Warriors team may start to shift things back to not just shooting, but the type of movement that their offense generates and the multiple different looks they can generate out of one action, as opposed to just pick and roll with, with five shooters out. Yeah. We saw what they did to Jokic. Uh, just when your team can produce such consistent offense so deep and you try and make it about one player that one player is going to run out of their bag of tricks eventually um but as for just this franchise and the dynasty it's been over the last eight years it's every fan's dream for their management to draft the diamonds in the rough have those players show up so much better than you could have ever imagined on draft day and have them develop and then commit show loyalty, stay with the franchise, and then constantly be putting the right pieces together, whether it's an Igadala, a Barnes, Kevin Durant, um, or fast forward today to Wiggins, to the drafting development they've done in guys like Moody, what Kaminga's showing, as you've discussed for the future. It's like straight out, out of storybook or like 101 management excellence and hats off to the Warriors. It's every fan's jealous of that like their owner joe lakeup said they are light years ahead of the competition and uh that's what it's showing right now um there's there's some similarities here not in terms of the amount of success but uh continuity wise the toronto raptors another team um having similar playoff success in terms of births and and winning during the regular season as the golden state warriors i think they're pretty close in terms of total wins over the past decade uh, between the two franchises. And both of them had uh, a down year and managed to hit on a great draft prospect uh, and, and turn things around. And for the Warriors, actually, it wasn't Wiseman. It wasn't Kaminga. It was Jordan Poole, right? And that's that's the guy who has okay, opened up the, the window for them. And they are going to need him uh more than ever in this nba finals um their their plus version right now of, of tyler hero with hero being injured but as we move into our eastern conference finals here in the nba uh yeah jordan Poole will be essential to what this warriors team does as they will undoubtedly be facing the toughest defense that they will have faced in the playoffs here and uh draymond saying after their victory that he expects the Boston Celtics to come out of uh, the Eastern series. And, and we shall see tonight, Max, if, if you have any thoughts on how this game is going to go, it's in Boston. I think Miami is dead at this point, watching game five. They, they just, they've had the shooting slumps. And then yesterday or two days ago, really felt like they couldn't generate any offense the entire game. Bam Adebayo was their focal point. Jimmy Butler had lost his his legs. Kyle is is just not in shape due to the injuries and not operating at at his peak performance. And with Hero out, uh, this Miami team is is really beat up. And Boston, I just think, has the slightly fresher legs somehow uh, and the deeper talent pool to dip into at this point late in the series. And um, I. I, I am 
really cautiously optimistic about what this Boston team is going to look like if they win the series that head in the finals after the gruesome war they have had against Milwaukee and Miami now. But this is this is a, a battle-tested series, and I would really love the Boston Celtics' chances if they're able to wrap things up tonight. Yeah, I, I don't know about fresher legs coming off of that Milwaukee series, but this series, every game almost seems to just have this one big run that settles it. Um, game three was it the only exception where the Celtics almost closed that run uh, but I kind of attribute that to the absence of Butler and in the end the Heat took it so that trend follows close enough anyway and some of that run has just been the transition laziness on D some of that has been absurdly good three-point shooting uh, I saw a ton of comments threads on NBA Reddit this past week talking about how like just whatever team's coming out hotter is with the three shooting like the role guys the ball movement hitting those closeout looks is just running away with it and we don't really have games we have like flip a coin for that odds and I think the Heat can have one of those games here um, but I think they can with a bit of that, keep up with the Celtics team and bring it just close enough that if Jimmy Butler has a quarter, which like he's had in two of their three wins where like he's generating three, four or five steals, he's getting to the line constantly. He's like hitting that at a ridiculous clip. That's when like the mid-range um, post up, like in motion off the dribble shots start to go. And I can see it, but without something like that, um, yeah, I like the Celtics for this. And I, they've had the tougher, harder, more resistance path to the finals than the Warriors have, I feel, if they get there. So it's almost weird to pick that team, but it does feel like they've just been facing stiffer competition, harder challenges. Uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it, I agree that Milwaukee series has been the the toughest out of any, I think in, in any, in this whole playoff year. And, and at the time it felt like the winner of that series is, was going to win the finals, but the Warriors do look extremely impressive. And part of the path of least resistance is their level of play uh, and able to close those out in, in six games or less. Um, yeah. I, I like Boston with their ability to jet. They just have the best defense now in out of all of the teams in the playoffs we've we've seen that we saw it since january when they flipped that switch um and and again they just have such a deep pool of guys to tap into to play that defense that um they, they they're just so effective at taking away the best thing that the the team they're playing against wants to do and so i i would be hesitant to not pick against them. I'm going to pick them tonight to win this game. The formula for Miami to win is that is they're going to slow the pace right down, turn it into a football game. Butler's going to get to the line and and they're going to eke it out um, with their physicality. Uh, but it just, it, the inevitability really feels like Boston is, is the best team in the league. And, and if they, if that ends up winning out tonight, I could see it winning out in the finals, but that's why you play the games. So um, 
looking forward to it, whatever the case may be. And, and that game's just getting underway as we speak. So we'll be tuning into that as we move along here into talking hockey. Taking a look here, Western Conference, we have our first uh, team to stamp their ticket to the Western Conference Finals. The worst thing about this series is the fact that we only got five games. The Battle of Alberta, what a ride. Um, <laughs> last night's game was no exception. Four goals there in like five minutes. Uh, and two. Less than and, two. Uh, yeah, just shocking. And I, and I tuned in basically during that spot. I was like, what am I witnessing right now? <laughs> Callie Yarncrow kind of wrapping up that spree of four goals there, uh, snapping it off a, off a deflection. Um, and then, yeah, I, uh, at least that's what I thought the last goal was. And then, and then things went back the other way, but Calgary, it's, this is a stinger and they were a team that was billed as the, the best team built for the playoffs in the Western conference. Um, and, and they just stumbled here in this series and uh, the top, top talent really won out with <laughs> McDavid and uh, dry settle now have combined for 52 points in their whatever it is, 12 playoff games. And that's unparalleled pr production in a playoffs from those two guys and uh, Edmonton, the better team and deserve to win this series. But the big storyline, once again, coming out of these playoffs is, is the refing of course, and that'll always be a topic of discussion in sports, but a questionable disallowed goal uh, from Blake Coleman there didn't look like he kicked the puck in, and the precedent that had been established throughout the regular season is that that was a goal, but Eric Fern and, and Wes McCauley once again imposed themselves in a series, make a decisive but controversial call. They were also the ones that... Uh, made the call on the John Tavares interference uh, when he scored in game six against the lightning or was it game seven against the lightning. And if you're the NHL, it's, it's not what you want. You don't want everyone to be in a, an uproar about, about a questionable call after a precedent has been set the whole season and, and they go against it and it ends up costing a team their season, not directly. Of course, the game was still tied, but uh, again, that's a tough look for the NHL that that the refs are are still making key impacts on the game at moments when you you really just want to let the stars that you have in this series uh, shine out. I mean, if you want to talk about the stars in the series shining out and that being the deciding factor, I think this was in fact your kappa. I actually didn't see the disallowed goal on this one, and I, as much as I hated to admit it, it was didn't a goal. Think it was interference on the Tavares call. Um, yeah. For me, it was just the ridiculously high power play that were being allowed um, that really felt like the refs just handing out free chances to decide the game. Like when I played Super Mario Kart, I just want a race course. I don't want who gets the blue shell at the right time to be what decides it. And that's kind of how I feel about power plays sometimes. Uh, but yeah, this Flames team, it seemed like they had the blueprint ID, they had the 
uh, Daryl Sutter playoff team stamp of approval, that grittiness we associate with the championship Kings, and they had scoring talent and depth. It seems like you put those two together and it was just a recipe for playoff success, especially with a Vesna candidate in Markstrom. And in game one, it felt like that went off to a start going that way. Um, just the ridiculously high offense in an open ice, fast hitting game. The Flames depth wins out, even if it's a McDavid and Dreisaitl on the other end. But defensively, the Oilers get a little more responsible. Mike Smith cools down. And as the Flames cool, McDavid and Dreisaitl don't, which we talked about at the beginning of the playoffs. And I'll contradict myself a little here. Uh, having those high whistles, short leash on what you call does open the ice up for the big players to do big things. And that's really what we saw this series, a narrative to this playoffs going in was McDavid, McDavid, excuse me, discussing with the Players Association or something to the extent of like, hey, when guys are constantly committing penalties on me in the playoffs, I want it called because these are penalties, look into it. And so he gets his wish this series though, with the open ice provided, he is the one absolute difference maker along with Dreisaitl, of course. Yeah, for once, the NHLPA taking care of its players in this instant. And it's it's a this could be a legacy-defining moment for McDavid in this game last night, scoring the game-winning goal that takes your team to the conference finals against your provincial rival. Like it's that's a special goal that Edmonton fans are gonna remember for a long time, regardless of what the season ends up being. But if if it is the way that everyone's hoping it's going in Alberta there, uh, then that could be their Kawhi shot almost with, with the impressive nature of, again, extra space that he's afforded from uh, more penalties being called and, and rips at home off the post and, and Sally's like, it was a massive goal, which it was. Yeah. I, I think Oilers win a cup and this is exactly on the tier of the Kawhi shot. Uh, second only to Crosby's golden goal, really, <laughs> if we're talking about like slopes there. Um, yeah. 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 I'm just speechless how much he can do with so little. Well, he crafts a legacy defining moment uh, in the other Western Conference series. Nathan McKinnon has won just stripped away there um i lost my mind with the colorado avalanche up three nothing blowing that lead to a a veteran and and uh war torn uh strong strengthened st louis team that came all the way back tied it up and then nathan picks it up behind his net coast to coast outside inside undresses Nick Letty and shelves it and I said Colorado can't lose this game with a moment like that with a goal like that um, I was sick to my stomach on how nasty it was and they turn around and they can't close the door with two minutes left in the game Robert Thomas buries it and then Bozak former Leaf in overtime uh, sends the St. Louis Blues to game six with life and Colorado. That's a tough one to lose at home because uh, trust me as a Leafs fan, we've been there. Once you, once you start the slide in a three, one series lead, 
you really, really don't want to be coming back home uh, on on Sunday if if you lose Game Six because the atmosphere will be very, very different than it was in Game Five. And the the demons are are rearing their heads here for Colorado, a team that has struggled to get out of the second round. Here's the time. Here's the time to get over the hump, and uh, we'll we'll see if they do so because. That was a bad, bad loss and really tarnished a special moment from a special player. Yeah, if we're just talking about peaks, places to place highlight um, game series clinching shots, there's another place far, far, far below that where we rank um, embarrassing series losses. If they lose this series, this game blowing a 3 nothing lead ends up very, very close to Toronto's 4-1 Boston moment. Um, <laughs> and yes, yeah, so, so much more painful after the ridiculousness of that McKinnon goal. Um, I don't know how you mentally recover from that as a team. Like, I, I genuinely don't know it can be done. I've never seen our team do it. Um, I kind of feel like I know it can't be done, in fact. So... Yeah. Best of luck to the Avs recovering from that. Um, and they are down one nothing after one to the wow. St. Louis Blues. So, you know, Nathan McKinnon's going to bring it. He always does. But will the rest of the team uh, join him on that ride? We shall see. Last series here to talk about. Um, again, just like the series with Boston, Carolina continues to hold serve in the playoffs. Uh, they are now... 7-0 and at home and 0-5 and on the road, or 0-6, pardon me, on the road. Uh, and, and they will head to New York tomorrow night to try and close out the series against the Rangers, who had built quite a bit of momentum following games three and four. Shesterkin finally finding his rhythm in the playoffs, uh, which is crazy to say that they're late into the second round now. But um, I can see the New York Rangers very easily winning this one at home. And, and we have another really exciting game seven and just tough to say it for both fan bases. But I think regardless of whoever wins this series, everyone's focused on Tampa uh, because a convincing sweep of their interstate rival in the second round has them uh, atop the power rankings of teams left in the playoffs. And uh, whoever is going up against them will be heavy underdogs. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. The way the Lightning weathered adversity against the Leafs, dispatched the Panthers like cold-bloodedly uh, after all the hype that series had built up. And I, I don't know if it's just me, but the somewhat lackluster nature of this Canes-Rangers series, it's not hard to imagine the Lightning walking all over them, especially because they've beaten the Canes twice in the last two playoffs or at least once for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Have their number there. Well, we'll see how that one goes as well. And, and we're on to the French open here uh, where we've, we've had a couple of interesting results as you do at any tournament, but for the most part, holding steady here with some of our, our top players, Max, uh, what kind of updates you got from, from Roland Garros today? Yeah. I saw a headline saying for the first time in, I don't know how many years, the top, I can't remember if it was top nine or top 12 seeded players have all made it to the quarterfinals or uh, round of 16, excuse me. 
I think either way. Um, so the top 10 holding serve to say a couple players have had a couple close calls, but really only just one. So we talked about Felix's last time. Carlos Alcaraz has to save a match point in the second round. Alex Zverev coming off a win, saving match point as well. Uh, the two steadiest players have been Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal. Neither has lost a set yet. And uh, Daniel Medvedev also in that company. Uh, I don't know if we talked about Shapo losing last time, but yeah, first round exit for him against not uh, his Ruth. surface, not his surface. Yeah, I will. The jury's out on Rune. We're seeing a really good um, class of kids coming in from the 2021 ATP Next Gen prospects. Um, Alcaraz leading that charge, of course. He dispatched Corda uh, today, who's also in that class, and then in the finals, Rune also part of that class. Um, and he's the one who took Shapo out. He has his moments on clay, but normally, like I said last time or the time before, he and Felix have been in the top 20 for the last few years because they always have third, fourth round meets at the Grand Slam, even if they're inconsistent other times of the year. So disappointing to see it from him. But if this kid uh, continues to do well on clay, um, won't be too big of a thing to hold over his head. So the big matchup coming up next is uh, Felix Auger-Aliassime versus Rafael Nadal. Felix, of course, being coached by Rafa's uncle is a huge storyline, who also was Rafa's coach from the beginning, I believe, all the way till 2017. So this will be Felix uh, went under Tony, I think maybe at the start of last season. And this will be their first time meeting since that has happened. Uh, this the way Rafa's been playing, this would have to be a huge upset for Felix, but who knows? I have to confess, so I won't be too upset if Felix loses because it sets up a potential match after that between Djokovic and Nadal, Oof. which I think is still the greatest match that can be played in tennis um, at this moment. So yeah, there's that. I, I can't disagree. I can't disagree. Also, shout out to our girl Layla Fernandez going up against Anisimova in her next round matchup. I actually caught a bit of her second round matchup, and, and she's looking really good um, attacking the ball well. There's my uh, tennis analysis for you. Love the tennis talk from you, bud. And yeah, that about wraps it up. Uh, some other maybe fun matchups. We might see Zverev Alcaraz running back there. Monte Carlo finals, I believe, 1000 event. Casper Rudd still in it. Mentioned all the top guys. Uh, Medvedev cruising, uh, looking at a Rublev Tsitsipas matchup coming up uh, shortly as well, potentially. Actually, I lied. Rublev would have to face Medvedev first. That one would take a while. It's really hard to scroll the screens on these uh, Grand Slam brackets. They go on for so dang long. <laughs> All right, that's all the tennis talk I got, though. Any closing notes? I got Liverpool tomorrow in the Champions League final. I got Charles Leclerc at the Monaco Grand Prix. And I got Vladdy turning back up the heat. Uh, he's been through a bit of a hit and slump, and the Jays are starting to refine their offense. They lit up Shohei Otani last night for a couple of runs. And, uh, yeah, this team's got to start building to catch up 
to the Rays and Yankees. But awesome sports weekend ahead. Two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the new Star Wars TV show just dropped. Looking forward to watching those tonight. And uh, hope everyone has a great weekend. And to our neighbors south of the border, have an awesome long weekend uh, for Memorial Day. And we'll talk to you all on, on Monday. Thank you for listening. All I've got is a man bun in this heat. Sports next door, <laughs> signing out. <laughs>